This is episode one of the David Raffin podcast, brought to you by davidraffin.com. My bomb shelter is incomplete without you. You have the water. I have the dehydrated foods. Also, I love you. I have to. In this episode, a story of love that's for the birds. A story about a technological innovator and progress. A story called Tesla's Wings. But first, the other day I saw a man crossing the street near a supermarket. He was wearing a backpack and from the backpack hung a heavy chain. The chain trailed behind him for about ten feet, where it was looped around a car tire through the rim. He dragged the tire behind him as he walked, the side of the tire scraping against the asphalt in a way no tire was designed for, an invention meant to alleviate burden, becoming itself a burden. And the tire was being destroyed, slowly, incrementally, with every step. And now, Tesla's wings. Nikola Tesla opened his hotel window to let the birds fly in and out. Two birds who had spent the night flew out. Three birds flew in. Pigeons, a type of dove, Tesla's favorite. Beautiful birds, but looked down upon by the city dwellers. Dwellers other than Tesla. He loved ideas, electricity, and birds. They gave him ideas as he watched them fly. They made electricity flow in his brain as he heard them flap and coo. Tesla, a lifelong bachelor, believed pigeons to be better than the companionship of people, better than the companionship of women. This is why he surrounded himself with them and made them his company, and he, he hoped, to them. He fed them, talked to them, and tended to other needs as they arose. He had the acquaintanceship of, and care of, a very beautiful female pigeon. This pigeon he favored above all other pigeons. He had found her on a walk, hobbled with a broken wing. He brought her back to his hotel room. There he mended her wing. No expense was spared. He developed a mechanical device to aid in the healing of the wing, so that the bird may fly again. And the bird did fly again. She returned regularly. Visits from pigeons were the highlight of any of Tesla's days. He made inventions, but his true work was communing with the pigeons. While he was tending to the broken wing, he made studies of birds' wings. He kept a notebook where he jotted down everything he knew and was learning about birds and aerodynamics. Thus began an obsession with human-powered flight. If he could learn to fly, as the pigeons do, he would feel whole. He would feel at one with the pigeons. The other people at the hotel found Tesla to be a peculiar man. He seemed to speak mostly to pigeons. He went on walks every day to feed the pigeons. He fed the pigeons from his hotel window. He invited them to stay, as if his rooms were a pigeon hotel. There was a sign above the outside of his window which read, Welcome, pigeons. There was a persistent rumor that he was trying to develop a death ray. In fact, his work on the death ray had been set aside so that he could work with total immersion on human-powered flight. This was his true passion, beyond communing with the pigeons. The death ray was simply a passing fancy, which he never called by that name. It was, in fact, a device for warming beverages, which had become too cool, a problem that often surfaced when ordering from hotel room service. He had also developed many other devices— one which received frequent use in his hotel room was a paper shredder. He used it to shred paper for the pigeons. 
Someone else, of course, within six months of Tesla's achievement, had developed and patented a paper shredder and got all the credit. This was the way with invention. Tesla was not overly concerned. He was a humble man. He was not driven by credit. He was interested only in the things which interested him. He viewed money as only a means to an end, something to pay for pigeon feed, paper, and fund his other projects. He sent a congratulatory postcard to the inventor of the paper shredder. He had never shown his to anyone. He had also never shown anyone his wings, a beautiful set of wings, the finest wings ever strapped to the back of a man. Late one night, he climbed to the top of the hotel, stood on the roof, surveyed the city below. On his back, he wore his carefully developed wings. Everything he knew about pigeon flight was incorporated into these wonderful new appendages. He spread them wide and gracefully dropped off the top of the building. And he flew. He flew through the night sky gracefully. Pigeons, which had been nesting on various parts of the building and nearby buildings, joined him in flight. He was one with the birds. This was his greatest invention. Though Tesla was not interested in a claim, he immediately contacted a patent lawyer. That patent lawyer climbed to the roof on a subsequent night and watched Tesla fly. The patent lawyer brought in business interests. They raised a substantial amount of funds for product testing, advertising, and marketing. Each of them was assured that this invention was the greatest invention in the history of man. That Tesla had succeeded where so many had failed, dating back hundreds of years, was a testament to his ingenuity. The advertising copy which was readied featured a silhouette of a man flying through the sky with wings, and the text read, Man will soar to new heights with Tesla's wings. A film was to be made for newsreels. Everyone was excited, particularly the people who lived in the hotel. Tesla had been on several successful flights. In the film, average people would put on wings, newly produced wings, a factory had put out hundreds of thousands of them in various sizes. There were some voices from the city planning department who cited concerns about mid-air collisions. There were warnings of commuter congestion in the skies, particularly around rush hour. There were many concerns from people whose job it was to generate many concerns. Tesla ignored it all. The camera running, a clear day, the street filled with onlookers. The first volunteer stood on the top of the building with wings attached. He looked toward the camera, then he dropped off the building. He plummeted to his death. There was a commotion below, screaming, caterwauling, pigeons flew away. Tesla held his hands to his ears. The sky remained clear. The investors were in a panic. Five minutes later, they blamed user error. The patent lawyer, confident, strapped on a set of wings. He dropped off the building and plummeted to his death. The crowd below renewed its cries of anguish. The era of human-powered flight had ended. Tesla became despondent. He brooded. He fell into a deep depression. He knew that his wings worked. He could not figure out what had gone wrong. Was it an error in production? The wings seemed fine. His original wings worked. And after the tragedies, he had privately used one of the mass-produced sets of wings, and they had also worked fine. It should have worked. He could not understand. If they worked for him... They should have worked for anyone. A product which only worked for him would severely limit the market for wings, as that is a very small market niche. Few pigeons flew to his window. He slept a great deal. 
As a result of the failure of his business, he had amassed huge debts. He was personally being held to blame for everything. One night, in darkness, he climbed to the roof. He stood there looking down at the city. He spread his arms, and he dropped from the top of the building, no wings attached. It was a suicide attempt. It did not work, because Nikola Tesla can fly. That story is from my book, Tragic Stories Disguised as Jokes. I recommend you go to davidraffin.com and buy books. They look nice on the shelf, and they protect you from being attacked by bears. This is true whether they are print or e-books. There is also a free e-book sampler on the site, and an audio recording, Live at the Royal Lounge, which was recorded live at the defunct Royal Lounge, which you can listen to for free or pay what you want. I am also available for readings. I am available for both children's parties and funerals. Do your children enjoy existential philosophy and theoretical physics? Then I am your logical choice. That's all at davidraffin.com. There's been a lot of talk lately about putting Harriet Tubman on the U.S. $20 bill. Tubman, an abolitionist and escaped slave, journeyed back and forth freeing enslaved people by bringing them to the free north. And let us not be confused. The free north was not the northern states of the U.S., but Canada. Canada was the free north. She died in 1913 at the age of 91, destitute, in a home for the aged and destitute named after her. She was upset that the church running the home charged a $100 fee for entry into the home. She said, They make a rule that nobody should come in without they have $100. Now I want to make a rule that nobody should come in unless they don't have no money at all. Purportedly, her last words were, I go to prepare a place for you. Who is on the currency of a country is entirely symbolic, having no measurable effect in the real world. However, I support the removal of Andrew Jackson from the U.S. $20 bill and the replacement of him with Harriet Tubman. I would go further. I would like to see Helen Keller on the $1 bill. Helen Keller, who became deaf and blind as a young child and later learned to read Braille and went to college. In adulthood, she wrote several books and joined the International Workers of the World, the IWW. When asked about her involvement with the IWW, she said, I don't give a damn about semi-radicals. She said she was a revolutionary. Eugene V. Debs should be on the $2 bill. Debs, a union leader and perennial presidential candidate. He spoke against the U.S. involvement in World War I and was imprisoned. The famous line about not being free to yell fire in a crowded movie theater is an attempt at saying people should not be free to be against war and to speak out about it. The crowded theater argument is an argument against free speech. Remember that when you hear it. Debs received almost a million write-in votes for president when he was in prison. Eugene V. Debs, who said, When great changes occur in history, when great principles are involved, as a rule, the majority are wrong. Lincoln can stay on the five. Frederick Douglass on the ten. Douglass, who wrote a number of best-selling books, most known today being Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass, an American Slave, which was influential in the spreading of abolitionism. As a boy, he taught himself to read and write, though it was illegal, and taught others. When he was 16 years old, he was found out and was regularly beaten, until he fought back and later escaped to the North. 
Frederick Douglass, who said, The thing worse than rebellion is the thing that causes rebellion. Harriet Tubman on the 20. Thomas Paine on the 50, the most revolutionary of the U.S. founders who held no official office but wrote influentially on the rights of man and influenced the others, including his friend Thomas Jefferson, and was involved, as was Benjamin Franklin, in the French Revolution. His strong anti-slavery and anti-religious views made him unpopular in his later years. In 1819, his bones were shipped to England with the intention of giving him a heroic burial, but they were later lost. Thomas Paine, who said, A long habit of not thinking a thing wrong gives it a superficial appearance of being right. Franklin can stay on the 100. After all, he wrote an essay on farts. His letter to the Royal Academy closed by saying that other sciences are scarcely worth a farthing. Money, after all, is a made-up thing and can be easily changed. Wallets are just a scheme to make you carry money and ID. If you truly loved freedom, you'd stop wearing pants. The preceding program has been a presentation of davidraffin.com. 